Welcome to another episode of the Business Exchange, How Business Works, brought to you by the American Business Council, Nigeria. The Business Exchange is a bi-weekly program where business executives, industry and policy experts share perspectives on how business works and also they share a deep dive into the biggest stories in business and policy. Our guests would always make bold predictions in their specific sectors or the space they exist. So today we will be discussing advocating for private sector, the increasing role of chambers of commerce. Our guests will share what organization is doing in this area and the various collaborations that have helped shape successful advocacy and lobbying for the private sector. In Nigeria today, we have at least one chamber of commerce in each state, not to mention other similar advocacy platforms. Uh, now, chambers of commerce have become extremely relevant in environments where policy options are waning. And this also coming from the fact that, you know, these waning policies and the policy options that are in short supply uh, tend to give rise to short-term palliative options that prove extremely challenging to businesses. So due to these policy deficits, uh, there is clear need and opportunity for advocacy. And, and uh, even as we speak today, we have well over, hmm, I can't even count the number of bills right now in the house. Well, some of them are really giving private sector sleepless, sleepless nights. So we have, for instance, the postal bill, the social media bill, the copyright bill, and even some other policies that do the ecosystem of various sectors. It gets worse. And I tell you, this is not only unique to Nigeria, but in countries where protectionism, localization issues over, override free market um, issues around free and competitive trade. Now, advocacy can be for the big corporates, US corporates, and even for the SMEs, as long as we're talking about private sector. So our guest today, very interesting person, is Miss Vicky Akai. She is the Director General of Abuja Chamber of Commerce and Industry. And by the way, I would say that Vicky and I go all the way back to my past life. But I, I guess I'll keep that for another podcast. So Vicky, welcome, welcome. Please tell us a bit about your background and organization and how did you get into the business of advocacy? Hello, Margaret. Thank you for having me. Currently, I work with the Abuja Chamber of Commerce and Industry, as you have already introduced me as the Director General. I came to the Chamber in 2017 and joined as the Director of the Business Entrepreneurship Skills and Technology Center which is a training arm of the chamber. I was the uh, pioneer director of the center. Uh, I set it up. So far, the, the center is doing well. <laughs> um, I also worked with the European Union um, under their projects for over a decade, after which I established a management company in collaboration with other partners. Um, the management consultancy ran training programs and uh, large event uh, management activities. We, our activities were actually targeted on international donors and government agencies. Um, I have also worked as a lead consultant at the Nigeria's Senate Committee on Primary Health Care and Communicable Diseases. Um, as a consultant on project management. I have um, 
I'm currently running a doctorate in business administration. Um, I have two decades of hands-on experience in management and administration. I hope that gives you an overview of my work experience. Advocacy is often successful when you have credible data. You know, you have enough information uh, to 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 share as best practice to to show that look, this is how it's done in this in the in this part of the world. And so I think we should just look at you know how to adapt it, not to copy it, but at least adapt it to our environment so that at least uh, there is an enabling. Uh, environment. It's cliche, but the world has really become a global village, so uh, we don't really need to keep reinventing the wheel. But the challenge we have is that we have a death of data, and and I'm really not even only in the area of advocacy, but specific to this conversation today, we have a death of data. So what is your organization doing to bridge that gap and build bridges to become a very strong advocacy uh, platform? Okay. Um, I would, um, with your permission, I'll tell you a little bit about the chamber and how it is set up. Then I would narrow down on um, what we're doing on advocacy. Uh, Abuja Chamber of Commerce and Industry uh, was established in August 1986, um, of course, with the objective of promoting economic and industrial development within the FCT in particular and Nigeria in general, and this is by virtue of our location. Um, we run our, the activities of the chamber through four centers, and one of the centers is the Policy Advocacy Center. Um, the Policy Advocacy Center is set up to advocate for business-friendly policies. Um, we organize roundtable discussions, visits, research and other activities that will benefit the businesses of our chamber and um, and the business environment in general. Uh, PAC, as we call it, is the chamber's reservoir of knowledge. PAC serves as a connecting bridge between the organized private sector and the public sector. So PAC relates a lot with um, government agencies, um, the National Assembly, um, and also other arms of the private sector. We adopt multiple approaches, right, to address the question of data availability and accessibility for advocacy. We leverage on our relationships with government agencies like um, the National Bureau of Statistics, through which we obtain regular sectoral data. We work closely with regulators who are mostly in the field to compare and contrast their data in the course of our regulatory activities. Um, we also conduct surveys and studies in collaboration with local and international um, agencies and educational institutions to gather data across uh, sectors. The Canadian Trade Facilitation Office um, has a partnership with us to um, carry out to implement a project that supports women's businesses in Nigeria. Uh, ACCI, 60% of our, our members are either women-led or women-owned businesses, and that's why they took interest in ACCI. So we have, but the research is not only focused on uh, ACCI members or Nigeria, in fact. 
we are carrying out research together with them that covers the whole of the African continent, but it will eventually narrow down activities to the chamber. So we've carried out a market access research for our women. Um, basically, of course, they are also trying to leverage on the AFCFTA to see how it can be functional for our women and how our women can gain from it. Uh, so the research is to identify uh, women businesses um, who produce for export and to see how we can help them to upscale their production and also create market access uh, to them. The other organization we're working with is GIZ, and we're focusing on vocational training. So the Germans have this dual vocational uh, training system that we had partnered with them over about six years. The trainings are basically demand-driven. And for us to be able to carry out demand-driven trainings, we definitely have to hit the road, get information about the kinds of um, services that are mainly required by industries in Nigeria, and then target our curriculum and trainings towards those demand-driven courses. So these are, this is an idea of the kind of partnerships that we have with international agencies. The last time we shared notes, you told me about a project that tied with the private sector and SMEs, especially uh, women SMEs, uh, leveraging the AFCFT. And so I'm happy that you even talked about AFCFT right now and how you're able to build a platform and, and help let uh, the, the businesses know about the, the, the AFCFT and really tap into uh, the opportunity. Uh, so, and I, I, I know you did mention that even in, in this project, there is an opportunity for, for us to collaborate, that is American Business Council working with uh, ECCI. Just can you share to the listening audience what this project is about and how are you driving advocacy in this area too? Okay. Um, now, Margaret, AFCFTA agreement affects all sectors and all types of enterprises, right? Absolutely. It is meant to accelerate uh, intra-African trade and boost Africa's trading position in the global market by strengthening Africa's common voice and policy space in the global trade negotiations. Margaret, how many of our businesses will understand that? They don't even know what it means. <laughs> you know, Margaret, if you say everybody talks about AFCFTA, it's because you are in that space. Honestly, go to the market and we've done it. We went to the market, we saw people selling in their stalls, and we asked them, do you know anything about the Africa's Continental Free Trade uh, Area Agreement? And they were like, how does it affect me? I don't know it, you know? And then, but the average trader must understand what AFCFTA is. Um, and if you remember in our conversation, Margaret, I was wondering, if Nigeria is not preparing its SMEs for APTA, other countries are. And in Africa, we have the big countries, right? We have the big economies, those ones who don't even see themselves as Africans. They are also preparing themselves for AFCFTA. So let us say, for instance, they come and uh, one of these big countries come with their big industries and they establish it in Nigeria and they begin to produce the basic staple in Nigeria. Let us say they produce yam, for instance you know, of vegetables in the markets that our women sell. Uh, by the time they are done with that production, they package it nicely, 
and they bring it to the market, they are going to knock our women out of the market. So we need to create a platform where we can provide adequate information and capacity building for our women to understand the benefits of AFCFTA and how AFCFTA could affect them in the very near future. And in thinking about this, the chamber said, okay, let us set up a platform because we have been in several meetings. We have seen a lot of presentations on AFCFTA, but how many other people have seen it? The average SME on the street does not know anything about any trade treaties at all, not to talk about AFCFTA. In Africa, we've had treaties that are up to 40 years old and nobody is benefit benefiting anything from it, especially in Nigeria. So the chamber decided, let us set up a platform where the SMEs and all other stakeholders will come and interact, share information, build capacity, provide opportunities for market access for SMEs so that, you know, um, uh, Margaret, every month you know that if you come to ACCI, you will get information about AFCFTA. This is what um, inspired us to establish the Araha Market Initiative. So Araha Market is a monthly market. It is young. It started with the AFCFTA. And AFCFTA is what motivated us to establish that market. Although it is not only going to be addressing AFCFTA, but AFCFTA is going to be big in the market. So every month we have uh, the average um, producer, whether the woman is producing clothing or agricultural products. And please don't get me wrong. Although we are targeting more women, the market is not only for women's businesses. Araha is a house award. Um, it means some people to the to the average guy on the street, it means cheap, but actually it's bargain. It means a bargain market. Mm. So um, it's not a cheap market. You, you understand what I mean by cheap? Uh, it's a bargain market. When you come there, you are able to get a very good quality product at a good price. That's what it means. Okay, I really don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, in the next couple of days, I will be on the panel uh, discussing uh, women empowered leave legacy through trade and investment. Uh, this is uh, an initiative from the Department of uh, U.S. Department of Commerce and driven by the Deputy Assistant Secretary Camille Richardson. Uh, we will be having all AmCham leaders, uh, female leaders in the continent and in the Middle East to share their perspectives in this regard. Uh, if you were on the panel, what would you be? What would be that legacy you'd want to share? Uh, honestly, to me, it will be creating a platform where they can always get market access. That will be the legacy. Now, I will explain that, um, uh, Margaret. If we are able to build a marketplace where women are able to key into every initiative that affects them. Because, um, Margaret, there are a lot of things. There are a lot of programs on ground. We're supporting women in agriculture. We're supporting women in garment making here and there. And you cannot go to the average woman who is selling, and she would confidently tell you that she's been able to access these initiatives. So um, for me, the legacy will be 
that I left something, an inst something institutionalized that is running itself, where a woman can go to, whether it is a physical or hybrid meeting, uh, sorry, uh, meeting point, um, where she can say, this meeting point has helped my business. It has been able to improve and show me how to produce to international standards. Um, it has been able to help me sell more, both locally and internationally. It has exposed me to better market access and better products. And I've been able to make money to, to pay my children's school fees and feed my family. Now, we have in this country and in Africa, I would not say only in Nigeria, the problem of people getting paid for, you know, important things like elections. If a woman is able to put enough money in her pocket, I'm telling you, um, Margaret, if the average uh, Nigerian, if the average rural person is able to have market access to sell his agricultural products properly and put enough money in his pocket, I believe it will even take care of this election fraud. Because you are not able to give a woman 5,000 naira, for instance, something as meager as that, to make her, to buy her vote, because she'll be richer than that. For me, this is the business community, the organized business, uh, sorry, the organized private sector is, is, is an opportunity to provide this kind of support to the average business person in Africa. And, and looking at it critically, we are a largely agrarian business population. So if we're able to achieve this, if we're able to even achieve market access for our people's products, I'm telling you, we will solve a lot. We will solve poverty. You know, we will solve poverty. And our people will now be able to, in fact, carry out community projects for themselves rather than wait for the government to bring initiatives to them. How do you see the role of the Chambers of Commerce short to long term? Just one minute, because again, the bell is ringing. We're running out of time. I think the Chamber... Uh, movement will significantly determine the way business is being done in Nigeria and in Africa in the very near future and take over it in the long term. Um, there is being built a very strong alliance between various business services organizations and chambers of commerce in Africa and around the world. Now, chambers, you know, will be strong, will be a stronger voice for policy making. Eventually, um, our country. And our government will have to uh, give way to that. Um, we will make, we will support in policy making, in developing industry, in developing foreign trade and investment. And as we have in some other countries, chambers of commerce will also determine how schools and universities develop their curriculum. So learning will be demand driven. Ah, sadly, we have come to the end of the show. But you can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify. And also visit us on our website, www.abcnig.com. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Margaret. Thank you for having me.